Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's talk some racing. Welcome, everyone, to the Gas and Go podcast, your stop for NASCAR talk, great guests, and lots of laughs. We've got a great show for you all this week. We're back with another guest, bringing you driver of the number 26 truck in the Camping World Truck Series, Tyler Ingram. I know you all hear me say this a lot, but this was really one of the best interviews I think we've had. Tyler is wise well beyond his years, and we had a lot of fun with him. That's coming up in stage two if you want to hit the fast forward button. But we hope you stay here for a moment because we'll also get into Willie B's big win, the latest NASCAR news, and of course, bumper sticker awards. So let's rock and roll and bring in the rest of the crew, our gas man and expert ad reader, Papa Bear Dave. Dave, you know your way around a paintbrush. So I got to ask this question to you. What's your opinion on the coral wall they've got down there at Homestead? Should every track have a special colored wall? Look, I dig it. And uh, I think it's very Miami. I think every locality that has such traditional colors like to go with their geography. Absolutely. Um, there's so many tracks, you know, pack. anyway, I, I could get long winded here, but only if you've got the right color for it. Yeah. And Miami does. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the correct answer. It, it looks cool though. I, I do like it there. It's fun to, uh, I don't know. It keeps the race a little more interesting. I feel like sometimes, uh, all right, next up our analytics guru, Ryan, AKA Rhino. Rhino, you've been a critic of Fox's choose cone graphic in the past. So what's the latest analysis on that? Well, I wasn't a critic. They just didn't have one. So it was hard to criticize anything. But they did uh, show the new one this week. It was pretty much the exact same thing as NBC does. So our buddy Nate Ryan was all over it. They just went ahead and copied them. So I will give NBC all the props. They did it first. They did it the best. Gotcha. Yeah, they... NBCs are still better. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> yeah, and Fox still doesn't have the, like, who gained so many positions. Like, I want to know right. who's making the most of the choose cone, who made the dumb decision five laps after the restart. Like, there's yeah. so much more you could do with it, but let's just show first place right around alone. Yeah, I also think Fox missed the first choose cone opportunity. I think they just, like, skipped over that fact. Maybe they a little rusty since there weren't, wasn't a choose cone in the first two races. Uh, all right, we got to bring in the five greatest Jackman of all time, Dylon, 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 and Dylon Dill. One of the cutaway scenes from Fox on Sunday was Brad Keselowski showing off his art skills <laughs> with some graffiti. Can you think of another NASCAR driver that would be less likely to graffiti something? Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, this is the classic Kezo versus Logano conversation right here, but that outro was i was out of my chair laughing that was one of the funniest things i've ever seen very very great job by whoever produced that because that was that was fantastic <laughs> uh, his like look of pride on the thing he obviously didn't paint was pretty yeah, awesome coming off the number two just with the can then he's typing out the word it's like her and then it just cuts oh, like what, what is i think when brad was here i think it was oh, brad. <laughs> oh okay okay it was. how many other drivers do you think they asked to do that that said no by the time they got to brad it was like chase no uh Blaine, just like no. it kept going like clip after clip too there's like four walkaway cuts of him just holding the can it's like how many more like what is this gonna end yeah, it was bad. They got to they got to bring someone else in for that one. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, our eyes in the sky, spotter cons, cons. Did it bother you at all how many times they mentioned being warm and sunny in South Florida while we were cold and rainy in Virginia? Yes, very much. It stank to hear how wonderful and like 80s and perfectly sunny it was. 
uh, all weekend down there. I was very jealous. I've even seen Tyler Reddick out on that boat fishing for his Tom Brady jerseys and Super Bowl trophies. I need to go to Miami ASAP. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that the, the weather, the Cuban sandwiches, and just the overall vibe uh, had me Jones in for for being in a different spot. All right, Dave, what you got for me this week? Once again, you've teed me up perfectly. I've uh, asked you a lot of NASCAR questions recently. We're going to go a little bit, a little bit off script, a little personal life. So after watching them for three straight weeks. NASCAR drivers, crew, et cetera, enjoy time in Florida. Tell me about the crew chief's ideal day off in warm and sunny Florida. Uh, it's either, I mean, it's either got to be on the beach or in a boat doing some fishing, right? I mean, you're in Florida. Yeah, I mean, those are the two options for sure. <laughs> Were you expecting me to say something different? <laughs> I thought you might pick one. Uh-uh. Well, can I do both? That's a pretty good answer. That's a pretty you, good answer. Are you a Disney World guy, uh, crew chief? I'm meeting up with Pitbull. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I am, Disney uh, World Pitbull. I'm not a Disney World guy. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been, but I guess that's for a different stage of my life. Could have been, uh, you know, could have been specific to get can jam on the beach, catching barracudas with Eric Jones, you know. But yeah, it, right. there's no wrong answers. I'll, I'll catch some. I'll do all of that, man. That all sounds great. It's you're you're, you're in the sun. Doesn't matter to yeah. me, man. Yeah, no doubt. All right, well, let's get into the good stuff and roll into stage one. But Dave, why don't you remind the good folks who helps us get the Gas and Go podcast fueled? Thanks, Garrett. And thanks to RacingUSA.com. Because once again, this episode of the Gas and Go podcast is brought to you by our friends at RacingUSA.com. Home to automatic discounts on NASCAR merchandise and free upgrades to expedited shipping. As the top rated source for NASCAR diecast, RacingUSA.com currently has... 490 different collectible diecast cars available for 37 different drivers, including this weekend's William Byron Homestead Race Win Diecast. This week, RacingUSA.com will give away a $50 gift card to one of our listeners. To qualify, all you need to do is follow us both on Twitter and keep your notifications on. Remember, when you want a new diecast car, t-shirt, hat, or collectible to show your support for your favorite driver, shop RacingUSA.com. America's online headquarters for Nats car merchandise for more than 20 years and home to automatic discounts and free upgrades to expedited shipping. Garrett, back to you. All right. Thanks, Papa Bear. And on to the good stuff. Hit it, DW. All right, everybody, we're in stage one. We're kicking off stage one, as always, with two truths and a lie. Boys, get your thinking caps on. Three facts. Two are truths. One is a lie. Here we go. First fact. William Byron takes home the checkered flag. Hendrick Motorsports first win at a mile and a half track since May 28th of last year at Charlotte with Chase Elliott. Fact number two. After winning the first two stages, Chris Boucher and Brad Keselowski both finished outside the top 10. And fact three. It was a pretty clean race out there in the Florida sun with only six total cautions, including the stage and competition cautions. What do you boys got? How long is Phoenix? Let's start there. It's not a mile and a half. All right. Well, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) How long is Charlotte? Charlotte's a mile and a half. I thought uh, Phoenix might have been just the curveball I needed because I know Chess Elliott won there. Uh, I think... I thought Boucher finished top 10. 
I no, am not oh, super he, confident. He fell, he fell off. He fell off. He was in the 20s. Same with Brad. I think it's the first one because I think uh, Chase won at Martinsville and then Phoenix and somewhere else, but in the Roval, but never a traditional mile and a half. You May feels really it. long. Like, so that just feels like a, a little bit too long also to be true. Wait, everything Ryan just said makes the first one true. Oh, you're saying Elliot didn't win. I have no idea how we said, said the question, but I think the first one is whatever we're looking for. <laughs> Was William Byron's like middle school teacher mentioned in that too? Did we get the name correct on that? <laughs> All right, what are you guys going? Let's go. Come on. I'm going I'm one. Going one. One's the lie. One. I'm going three. All right. Let's recap here. William Byron takes home the checkered flag. Hendrick Motorsports first win at a mile and a half track since May 28th last year at Charlotte with Chase Elliott. That is a fact. Chase Elliott, if you remember when they came back, they ran like nine different races at Darlington and Charlotte. He won one of them. It was May 28th. After winning the first two stages, Chris Boucher and Brad Keselowski both finished outside the top 10. That is a lie because William Byron won stage two. Shows how much. Oh my! I didn't even hear that. Very (laughs) sneaky. Well done. Well done. I knew that too. Oh my goodness! I was on the uh, right track, just you know. Last ones for the wrong reason. There were were only six, six total cautions. So man, I'm I'm on fire this year, boys. That's rough. We we did poorly there. We should have gotten that. (laughs) I I, as soon as I read it, I was like, damn, they're gonna smell that one out. They're gonna they're gonna know, but. We were all thinking too intently. You placed it really well because once you were reading it, like we were like, okay, yeah, whatever. Boucher top 10. We were like, May, what mile and a half tracks? <laughs> we didn't even hear the question. There we go. All right. I'm feeling it this year. All right. Well, let's get into the, uh, we're talking about the winner. And that winner is Mr. William Byron. His second career win. Quite the win for the young kid. What does it mean for him, Dave? I'm going to you first. What does this mean for Willie B? I think it's got to validate last year's Daytona win, especially with speaking of mile and a half tracks, this one coming on one of those. Let's ask Willie B. Let's see what he thinks. Uh, I think for sure. I mean, I think, you know, you don't want to be kind of like the one win wonder guy. So I think, yeah, for me, it's, you know, once you get in that two category, it's, you know, you start, you know, building towards the next ones. But I mean, for me, I think once I, like after the first win, I think what clicked for me was just the hunger to taste the same feeling, like, you know, how exciting it is to, to win and, and what that means to the guys around you and your family and all the people that kind of put you here. So I think that once you get that taste in your mouth, it's hard to, you know, it's, you can't really get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, I think you can see there that he agrees. It's validating. Um, and, and I like what he says there talking about that, that taste for winning uh, that to me, sounds like a guy who who is in the place he needs to be and that and that is in competition and trying to do his best and win races i i think i think dave you hit it it's validating for him uh and, th- and this could go a long way for his career what, what do other people think you still think he's still number four at hendrick right i mean he's not jumping elliot he's probably not jumping larson so it's probably him and bowman for three and four there but i still would i'd still peg him at number four bowman's still gonna have a few wins this year i would think but this is huge for Byron and to really jumpstart his career, I would think. I think that there's – oh, sorry. Go ahead, Garrett. No, no I, I was just going to say I don't have him as clear number four. I, I, this puts him pretty close to, to Bowman with me, although Bowman did finish really well last year. But, Dale, what were you going to say? I was just going to take it in a little bit different direction too because I think there's a whole other side to Willie B kind of cementing himself, and that's where he came from too, the iRacing you know, side of things and kind of coming up through – 
an untraditional background where there could be a lot of opportunity moving forward. So it's cool to see someone like him now really kind of be legit in the cup series from where he started with uh, iRacing. Yeah. And I think, uh, I think the taste of winning that he talked about and that Garrett mentioned is important too. Um, even to Ryan's point, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's tasted that win twice since any, any Hendrick driver not named Chase Elliott. Um, to me, that puts him at least in competition for that number two spot. And, and if he keeps doing things the right way and, and keeps winning races, who knows? Yeah. Ryan, did it feel good to see that rainbow 24 back in victory lane? And what was the, uh, the group text like? Uh, the, the group text was uh, firing on all cylinders uh, per usual, but th- they're very excited and they're even more excited to see our crew chief take a picture of the car and post it to our Twitter. So they're really appreciative of that one, uh, chief. Yeah, well, I mean, it, 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 I didn't really know what to say about it, but that I just saw him burning down in that brand new paint scheme. And I thought this is William Byron's paint scheme, you know, for, for the longest time anyone's been in the 24, it's either been the Jeff Gordon car or those flames that William Byron's been running to. It, there just never seemed to be the identity that moved it away from Gordon. And this feels like a, 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 a clean break. I mean, yes, it pays respect to Gordon's paint scheme, but a, a clean break for William Byron to build his legacy in that 24 car. And that's a, that's a lot of pressure on somebody because that's a huge number in NASCAR. And I think, I think he's ready to do it. I mean, this, he showed it on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's a little homage to Jeff Gordon with that paint scheme, but it's different enough where Willie Byron can make that his own. And and if he has more victories and, you know, championships down the road, he can really cement himself in that 24 car and as a perfect replacement for Jeff Gordon. And look, I'm, this is feeling a little, uh, little love Bodie. I'm not a, I'm not a Willie B guy. You love, love, I do love, love. <laughs> So to that end, watching him burn the tires, uh, man, he, he could he could do a burnout. I did enjoy that. But what I really liked was the clear love he and his team have for each other. Um, you saw them on the wall, pointing at the burnout, waiting for him to get out of the car. That is a team, which is important in NASCAR. Um, as we know, having the best team podcast going in the business. So I really appreciated the respect he paid his team, the love he and his team share. I might be, I might be part of the way in. <laughs> well, no, Dave, it's a good point because um, I think people forget he's got a new crew chief this year, Rudy uh, Fugel, who came up from the truck series. So that's a big leap for a crew chief. This guy was in the press conference after the after the win too. He is, he's he's awesome. I mean, I didn't really know much about him. I know he was with uh, Kyle Busch Motorsports in the truck series and and was with uh, Willie B when Willie B was in the truck series, but. Um, I, this guy's awesome. He's full of confidence. Doesn't even think for a second. He's not exactly where he should be. Uh, this is a huge move for this team. Uh, and like I mentioned, he was in a press conference after the race and, and this quote right here stood out to me. You know, we want to learn how to be a winning race team, you know, in, in the playoffs to win a championship, you have to, you have to win a lot of races. So we have to learn how to do that now and get used to that, um, to be able to contend for a championship, you know, so we're not a championship team yet, but we, over the next 20 some weeks, we're going to become one. So that's what we're going to do. Like I said, confidence is just coming out of him. Has me believing they'll be ready to contend for sure. And Garrett, I got some math for you. We are 0 for 15 on our race predictions, but your boy (laughs) picked the bumper sticker award, went on to win. So I have drivers texting me privately, hoping that I picked them this week as my bumper sticker to get them a win next week in Vegas. 
<laughs> I have two second places. I also want that to be known. I Chase Elliott getting spun out on the uh, uh, Clash and Kyle Larson this week. I'm uh, not counting the Clash. I know you said the Clash was more important than the Daytona 500 for Chase Elliott, but we're only it. counting real point races. Speaking of bold predictions, Garrett, how badly did you want that race to go about 10 more laps? Oh, man, Tyler Reddick was coming, boy. That would have been nice for the playoffs and for your six new winners. <laughs> That would have been, I mean, he was flying there at the end. I I wish he had started that run just a little bit earlier. And, and he was running in 20th the entire race. Like he was nowhere to be found. And they had one pit stop that cycled him up to eighth. And somehow he was able to just run the high line in the night. Track got a uh, track got a uh, colder, but yeah, the, I think well. that track changed a lot. It, and let's, let's talk about the race further, but real quick, last thing on William Byron. Um, this is a huge thing. Uh, not only for like all the pep talk rally rally stuff we talked about, but uh, the reality of his, of his season, right? He, he's already in the playoffs. Granted, some crazy things don't happen. That's a lot of pressure off this kid who's had to come down to the wire the last couple of years of sneaking in there, you know, winning the Daytona last year. So just like Michael McDowell, man, and uh, and Christopher Bell, like these guys can start recalibrating and, and start building those playoff points. So that's got to be a huge load off their team. Uh, but all right, let's move into the race. There, you know, there wasn't that much action during the race, but there was some good racing, I thought. Tyler Reddick, had a rocket ship there at the end. You, you know, William Byron's lucky there weren't 10 more. Left. This wasn't the uh, Dixie Vodka 410. <laughs> it, was, it was just the Dixie Vodka 400 because this this would be a different conversation we'd be having. For an, for an intermediate one and a half mile track, this is everything I want in racing. You don't need a ton of cautions. You just want comers and goers. You want the tires to be a big deal. I think that was even more pronounced in the Xfinity race where if you put tires on a car, you were going past people. People were going from 22nd to 1st, but this is exactly what I want to see in a mile and a half race. Vegas, I'm sure, will be boring as hell next week, but this one was awesome, I thought. Yeah, but Homestead is the best mile and a half track, I think. There are multiple lines you can run. The restarts are fun. And guys, guys can pass. Uh, and so you get some good racing out there as, a, as opposed to some of these other mile and a halfs. Yeah, Ryan, to your point, too, um, about the Xfinity race, I actually found that race much more interesting than the cup race this week, even though the cup race had some good excitement. But I don't know if it was because of the tires being so important, because the couple rest, um, restarts right before the end of each stage in the Xfinity, or maybe it was just like a shorter race and it's just, every lap seemed a little more important. What do you guys think about, you know, if the cup series reduced some of the laps? Cause when I was watching in Miami, you know, I went and cooked dinner a little bit, kind of phased out for a minute, came back and it was still about the same as it was. Look, I love Xfinity racing. I am not a shorter race in the cup series guy. That's, that's never going to be me. I like, I like the length of races. I like, I like a half day of just watching a, a long race. That, that's, that's just who I am. <laughs> that's insane. The Xfinity races are the perfect length. Keep it under two and a half hours. It's awesome. I don't know why Garrett wants to be away for three and a half, four hours, uh, you know, away from his family. But <laughs> if that's his case there, then that, that's what it is. But me in and out in two hours. What they should do is swap. The cup should always be Saturday night with the long race. And the Xfinity should be on Sunday with the shorter race. I can only assume these guys also want 80 game baseball seasons, but you know, with the race, Correct. the Coke 600, maybe, but four or 500 miles. That's what NASCAR is. Now get off my lawn. Um, <laughs> and look, everything you guys said is, is true, but I found myself, I think disappointed that there weren't more restarts only because homesteads like the wild west that you can go. There's like six lines. 
so that they weren't able to, to restart more often, stack up and do some of that, that high, low um, slingshot engage type of passing was a little bit of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's Phoenix and Homestead for restarts is like it must see TV. Yeah. Yeah. Because Homestead has that no out of bounds there on the restarts too. You saw that more in the Xfinity race. Those guys yeah. were like on pit road passing the apron. Yeah. The grass looks good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, big picture here. I got to ask you guys a question. Uh, we got a lot of parody going on here this year. You think people are starting to get a little nervous even after three races playoff wise? Uh, Harvick. <clears throat> I think you look at the overall standings and look at where these top guys are. And I don't think that you'll see they're nervous. I mean, Denny and, uh, Harvick still up there. Chase Elliott's up there. All these guys are where they want to be. It's just, you know, they're not winning it right now, but there's 33 more races. I think they're going to be okay getting a couple of their their fill in there. But the standings, like, you know, they shouldn't be concerned because they're doing fine. Well, there's only 23 more races to the playoffs. So. Nervous? No. Impatient? Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we, we had a, a, a two truth and a lie last year about how many races, like, to go three races without Hamlet, Hamlin or Harvick winning a race, like, didn't happen last year. Yeah. Um, so I don't think those guys are nervous, but I do think, they're ready to win. All right. Well, here, here's three guys that are below 20th in the standings right now that made the playoffs last year. I'm going to give you their names. You guys tell me. Does it, we don't need to go around the horn. Just somebody shout out yes or no if they're making the playoffs. Ryan Blaney in 24th place right now. Yes. Yes. All right. Yes. He'll get a win. Eric Almarola in 26th place. No, no, no. <laughs> and Matty D. Him and his jeans. Absolutely not. <laughs> And Maddie no, D it's Maddie D as well. Maddie D's not going to make it to the end of the season with Wood Brothers. I think they're going to bring uh, Cindric up full time, put him in the twenty one for a partial year for the Maddie rest of the year. D is I don't know fine. how that's going to work. He'll I don't think Maddie D is going to make the playoffs either. If Maddie D is in the playoffs, we're going to a hundredth victory party. That's what I know to be true. <laughs> that's how he gets in. If he gets in, Dave's right about that one. All right. Well, I think that's, I think we exhausted the Homestead weekend there. Pretty good, pretty good rundown by the boys. Uh, I'll give you my Garrett's notables. Ryan Newman, the rocket man, seventh place. How about that? Good for that guy. Uh, Reckham Ricky Stenthouse, 13th place for old Ricky there. Daniel Suarez, 15th place. So those are three guys I uh, spotted. And of course, Eric Jones, 27th place. That one's for you, Ryan. No one talks about him. No one talks about him. He got one pit stop on TV. That was that was nice. I think all those guys got to be on the the bumper sticker awards watch list too, right? I mean, that's a that's an interesting list that I that's think we could see more than one of those guys get bumper sticker awards. Today. No spoilers here, Dave. No spoilers. <laughs> a lot of force. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get a recap of how our gas and go boys did this weekend. Connor, why don't you run it down for us? Thanks, Garrett. It was the not so good, the bad, and the ugly this weekend for the OKGs. Not sure where to even begin, so I guess we'll start in Cup. On lap 152, Corey LaJoy's car started smoking. He proceeded to drive directly into the garage where engine issues kept him parked for the rest of the race. A disappointing 36th place was the ensuing result. Quinn Hauf only finished five laps down, not bad, but unfortunately that awarded him with the 35th place finish. That is bad. Second race in a row, Joey Gase is replaced by Cody Ware in the 51 car. Didn't seem to matter though, as that car finished 32nd. I think we all can agree Joey would have driven 
himself into the top 30. And if he had the gas and go logo on the deck lid, it would have easily been a top 25. I am adding Matty DiBenedetto into this segment, even though he is not an official OKG, he will be included by proxy of John Wood, who is the original OKG. That's right, Garrett, that's the O-OKG, or as the kids say on the streets, Dave, OG OKG. Anyway, Matty D cannot get us any closer to the Wood Brothers 100th win party as he finished 28th. On to the Xfinity, which is slowly becoming my favorite racing series. Brandon Brown radioed on lap six that he felt a cylinder go down. As far as I know, you get much less power with a V7 than a V8 engine. And I think Brandon will agree as he finished 34th, 11 laps down. Josh Williams had to pit very early, putting him a few laps down. He did battle his way back onto the lead lap at one point, but he couldn't get it going for long enough and finished one lap down in 26th place. It was hard to see our two guys in 39th and 40th on the, the pile on there on the left. That, that, that one hurt that me. Was tough. In an early pit stop, Daniel Hemrick forgot which pit stall he was in, causing him to almost clip a tire changer, which sent a tire flying. He obviously was hoping for a gas and go strategy and showed his displeasure in the most extraordinary fashion. He was able to remain focused though and did finish with another top 10 performance in fourth place. Starting in the 23rd position, Noah Gragson was flying early and often, weaving his way up to the front by lap 31. A few setbacks as he bumped the wall twice during the race, but didn't seem to bother him as he took over first again with 31 laps to go. He would easily cruise to his first victory of the season, finishing about eight seconds ahead of the second place driver. That is the recap I wrote with about four laps to go in that race. Noah finishes 33rd. It was difficult finding a winner of the weekend, but I think it has to go to this week's guest, Tyler Ankrum. He was able to not race and enjoy some downtime on his ranch, lassoing cattle, bailing hay, riding horses, wearing open-toed cowboy boots. And that is my GNG OKG recap report. All right, thanks, Con. That, that report's getting longer and longer every week, man. We're stacking up them drivers. <laughs> uh, little uh, editor's note there: Joey Gase is in the fifty-three car this year. He was well, kind of, kind of, kind of. Yeah. He's are we worried about? Are we worried about an curse? I mean, is it time to start talking about that with Noah Gregson uh, running into the back of David Starr? <laughs> you don't think we had anything to do with that? <laughs> Not yet. This week, this week was not good. Daniel Hemrick's been top five pretty much every race. Yeah. Hemrick's our horse right now. Well, he's taking us to victory lane, man. That, that. Well, and he's taking out crew members, though. I mean, we can draw on here somewhere. You got to get out of the way, man. <laughs> that was rough. That felt like a shot to the gas and go crew for a second there. But <laughs> uh, to, to follow Connor's theme, we did have an OK, OK, G tire changer. So it's, you know, there you go. There you go. not all negative. Uh, all right, let's roll right along into stage two here and get the latest NASCAR news from Ryan. Ryan, over to you. Thanks, Garrett. I'm Ryan and This is your stage two Gas and Go News. It was announced this past week that Eight Ball Premium Chocolate Whiskey is sponsoring OKG Quinn Half in a few races this year, including last week at Homestead. Dylan, I don't care what you think about the uh, paint scheme, but give me your thoughts on flavored whiskey. Yay or nay? Flavored whiskey is okay on very certain occasions when it like goes with whatever you're doing. Like 
I like a good peanut butter whiskey that can go with some s'mores sometimes. But as like a regular thing, no, not at all. Not okay. NASCAR announced a multi-year partnership with DoorDash as their official on-demand delivery platform. Connor, you notoriously hate delivery, but will you give DoorDash a shot? No, I like to go into my own car, pick up my own food, and that is that. And maybe feed homeless people. Bush Beer is giving fans the chance to name a NASCAR Cup race at Kansas Speedway this year. Dave, all it takes is a $1 donation to Farm Rescue. How many donations should we do to get the Gas & Go 400 a real thing? Well, I can tell you that the gas man has already donated $2. One for Gas & Go and one for Dave's.com. We'll see which one wins. Perfect. We already went over OKG Noah Gregson's Tough Race on Saturday, but newly nicknamed Myatt Snyder, the tax man, was able to pull off the win. Garrett, as the originator of the nickname, as creative as it was, how responsible do you feel for Myatt's big win? Uh, Pretty much... 100% 100% responsible. The tax man collected, man. <laughs> he ran, he went in with confidence. Good for him. Happy for and, him. And follow-up, did the crew chief collect from the tax man? Uh, not yet. We're still working on the details there. NASCAR finally announced the format for the Bristol Dirt Races, which will include four heat races on Saturday night before the race on Sunday. Dylan, this whole dirt experience is either going to be the greatest thing ever or the worst. I can't wait either way. What do you think? I don't know, man. They have both truck and cup all doing four like heat races and qualifiers like is that track gonna be okay come sunday night what's gonna what shape is it gonna be in no it will not camping world announced that they are sponsoring daniel suarez for multiple races in 2021 including this past week at homestead connor don't give away any bumper sticker awards but give me a little couple thoughts on the paint scheme awesome paint scheme really like the colors really hoping that the sponsorship here has uh, some implications on if we will be getting an RV for Pocono. Interesting. I think we talked this into fruition last week, but it seems Virginia is going to allow an increase in fans for Marnsville and Richmond races. Dave, did you put a call into the governor's office to make this happen? Look, man, props to Dave Teal for uh, having the idea. Props to Dave Dave for knowing it was coming. And uh, look, 30% is a lot better than 250. By my math, that's about 15,000 better than 250. Always count on Dave for the math. A-Shock, a performance energy drink I've never heard of, released their number nine black and red paint scheme. Garrett, the scheme is okay, but Chase is getting too watered down with too many sponsors. Less A-Shock, less Loomer, less Uni First, more Hooters, more Napa. What do you think? Yeah, I can I can barely pronounce half of his sponsors. There seems to be a lot of energy drinks going on out there, almost as many uh, energy drinks as NASCAR podcasts. So maybe we should get a gas and go energy drink. We are the underbelly of NASCAR podcast. Late breaking news, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf announced that outdoor spaces can't have up to 20% capacity starting today. Boys, Pocono Raceway is back on the table. And that is your stage two gas and go news. I'm Rhino. Garrett, back to you. All right, Ryan. Thanks. Another great run through the latest news. Um, Okay. We're at the best part of the show. It's when we shut up and just ask questions. So (laughs) let's bring in our interview with Tyler Ankrum. And as always, we'll see you on the other side. Gas and Go Nation, we promised you a star from the truck series, and we have delivered. We've got a great guest here with us today, driver of the number 26 Chevrolet Silverado in the Camping World Truck Series, Tyler Ankrum. Tyler, how does it feel to be the first truck driver on the Gas and Go podcast? It feels awesome. P1. I love it. (laughs) Exactly, man. On the pole. All right. Well, Tyler, thanks for taking the time today, man. I've always seen you as a very 
thoughtful, insightful guy in this sport. So we, we've got some good questions for you, but I got to start here. I'm a fellow Silverado driver, even though mine doesn't have a number on the side. <laughs> so I got to ask you, what are you driving off the track these days? I've seen your, your garage. You got, looks like you got some nice toys in there. Yeah. So, uh, well, during, during the summer, my da- my daily is a 1970 El Camino. It's a 396 big block. Uh, uh, me and my dad rebuilt it. Um, it, that was kind of like no, it, that car didn't start off as my uh, dr- dream car, but uh, when I found it, it, turned into my dream car. And, uh, we ended up get, getting that thing for pennies on the dollar, and we turned it into a hot rod. But uh, right now, I uh, at the end of last year, I bought myself one of the new uh, 2019 Trail Bosses. So right now, I've been kind of putting that thing around town. Not bad, man. Sounds like you got a couple different excellent ways to get around. Yeah, I prefer the El Camino. Uh, chicks seem to dig the El Camino a lot more <laughs> than the new pickup truck, but I, uh, I'm not complaining. They're both very nice vehicles. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the El Camino is the truck-car hybrid, correct? Best of both yeah, worlds? For me, for me, the way I would call the El Camino, it's the, it would be the mullet of the automotive industry. <laughs> uh, a cruck or a, a car, tar, I don't know what you would call it, um, but for me, I just call it mullet. Pure sex appeal. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Tyler, well, we're going to get your thoughts on a lot of different topics, but let's start big picture. Um, We've seen in the last couple of weeks, like a youth explosion in NASCAR with Ty Gibbs, Chris Bell notching wins. Where do you see yourself in this group of young, talented NASCAR drivers? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, You know, there's so much uh, talent in the sport. Um, You know, know, whatever, whatever talent means, if if you're going to, um, call it a, a God given God given ability or um, a skill that you've picked up and learned. Um, I, I feel like that with as competitive as everything is and as close as all the vehicles are. I mean, I think arguably now, uh, especially in the truck series, I mean, all all the trucks that you know the top twenty, you know, they're all within five percent of one another, and. For, for us now as drivers, even, you know, w- w- as teammates with, you know, five other guys or four other guys, I should say, you know, it's just all about that edge of what, the upper hand you're trying to get on your teammates. So when I see that, you know, kids that are now you know younger than me, which is almost weird to think about because I so, was always so used to being just the new kid coming up. I was always so used to that. Now there's, you know, kids that are coming up that are younger than me and are making a name for themselves. It's a, uh, it's, it's a uh, kind of bizarre for me because I'm not used to being in this kind of position, kind of, not, not a senior guy, but a guy who's, you know, who's, who's more experienced than, than the younger ones. I was always so used to being the inexperienced one. So for me, when I go into this season, uh, being an experienced guy, even though I'm only still 19 years old, um, I, I, I I kind of just kind of view themselves as I do myself. I mean, they're still going after the same goal and they all have the same thing in mind. I mean, that also at the end of the day, that is winning. Um, but it's just what we do with that opportunity is what makes the difference at the end of the day. And I, I feel like you've kind of set up my next question. How do you make yourself stand out? Everything's within 5%. How do you get an edge? It's very difficult um, in today's world, right? Because uh, you know, everything's about personality. Everything's about an image, right? You know, we, everyone wants to have that personality in the sport. So like, how, how do you stand out um, in a way like, like now you got Haley Deegan coming up and uh, I, I, I don't know if her nickname's still the Dirt Princess or what, but 
like she's, you know, a, a anomaly that has come along and, you know, she has her own personality, but then you have like the Noah Graxons of the world and he's just this wild man, it seems like. And this guy is just, you don't ever know what you're going to expect. So when I look at myself and as a personality of the sport, I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I kind of just think of myself as a, as a good old boy. It's, it's something that, you know, NASCAR hasn't seen before. I mean, on during the day and on the weekends, I'm, you know, hanging out on my ranch. I'm playing with cows and playing cowboys. So it, uh, it's all very different. So for me, I, I just kind of continue to do what I do. Um, I, I think in my own, in my own way, I, I stand out. I think I have the best hair in racing. I mean, I wake up every morning and my blonde hair is the way it is. Michael Waltrip even admires it on the television screen. So that always works and it always helps. But for, for me, just ultimately in the day, I mean, the best way to stand out is just by performing out on the racetrack. So kind of talking about social media a little bit, Brad Keselowski said teams and fans care more about drivers with social media followings instead of drivers that have won before. Do you think that's accurate? And do you find that to be true? Oh, well, there's, there's a certain truth to it. And I I think in today's world, um, I'll even relate back to when I was a kid. I mean, as a kid growing up, out before I was ever a driver, I was a fan of the sport and growing up in Southern California, we went to Fontana everywhere, every year. And we spent the weekend in the infield. Well, growing up, that's when Jimmy Johnson could, was practically unbeatable on the West coast, whether it was Phoenix or auto club or Vegas, he was just always that fast. So as a kid, you know, and before kind of the age of social media kind of, you know, took precedent and, that was just my guy. It was Jimmy Johnson because he always won. But nowadays, it's all about you know your followers, your likes, your comments, your how big of a reach you can create, and you especially you see that especially in sponsorship and and it, it's kind of you can't really knock social media because there it can do you wonders. And I was very naive to this growing up in late models and midgets and super late models and even K and N because I always neglected social media. Uh, to be honest, like if you took my phone away and gave me a flip phone, I'd be just as happy as that with that as I would an iPhone. So for me, as a person who's looking back and you know realizing that you know I neglected it, uh, I would always just say for myself, well, if I go out and win races, it'll take care of itself. Well, you know that's not the case because especially when you go out looking for sponsorship. They go, oh, okay, yeah, like you won your, your you won a race in the truck series, you're rookie of the year, and you know you get this mil, this many viewers on television, and this is the television's reach. And they go, well, how many followers do you have? And you're like, oh, I only have wow. like eight thousand. And I mean, that's just what it is. I mean, social media has taken over, and the the amount of followers you have, and you know what you're able to do with those followers and that reach the amount of people you can, you know, go out there and influence means so much more than just than just the television screen now. And I look back and I kick myself in the head and thinking to myself how much further I could be ahead right now. Um, I, I look down at the lower ranks and I see what a, a lot of the guys who are, you know, three, four, five, even sometimes six, seven, eight years younger than me, and seeing what they're doing on social media, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, "Gosh, you're so stupid! Like, why did you, why did you neglect it? Um, you're, you're so arrogant to not see it." 
Um, so now, you know, for me that I'm behind the eight ball, it's like doing everything I can to get in front of it. And the only, really only way to do that is just being personal on social media and let allowing people inside your life. So I think it's in a sense, it'd be easy for Brad Kozlowski to say what he did. I didn't see it. So I'm just kind of assuming here because he's more of an old school guy. He kind of, he came, came along in the days where it, it wasn't just, it wasn't social media. It was primarily just television and whatever article that came out that next Monday about the race. So I think, I think today in today's day and age, it's, it's just a different atmosphere and you just have to adapt or, um, die with it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I'm surprised to hear you say you've been asked how many followers you have. I would encourage you to cut yourself some slack at 19, um, for what you were doing at 12. If it makes you feel any better when I was 19, Twitter didn't exist. Um, so I, I think you've still got time to make up some ground there. Um, but thanks for the thoughtful answer. So let's talk about you and your goals. What, what's next for you? What are your goals professionally? Well, that's a, that's a tough question. Cause I, I've been asked this question a lot lately and uh, I only ask my, the tough questions. My, uh, <laughs> I, I've gotten two, three tough questions now, but, uh, uh, I love the tw- tough questions. Actually. I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of small talk, but you know, goal, goals wise, obviously, you know, at the end of the day, the goal is cup. And if, for me, it's easy for me to say, you know, this year I want to go out and win five races in a championship. And that's, those are actually the things I used to say. Um, but I feel like just as I've matured and grown up, I've, I've kind of narrowed those goals down because actually at the beginning of the year, I, I, I always write my down, down my goals at the beginning of the year. And I only wrote one goal down and that one goal was to race every single race perfectly, no matter no matter what cards that were dealt to me, right? Do, doing to the best of my ability and performing with as close as to perfection as possible with those cards that I have in my hand. And you, you might think, well, well, Tyler, like, don't you want to win races in a championship? It's like, well, yeah, but if you wrote down the goal, you know, goals like win five races in a championship, well, you got to ask yourself then, well, what, what does it take to do that? And, and if you don't, if you don't even know the answer to the goal that you just written down, well, it isn't much of a goal then. Cause you don't even know where to start. And that's what I always caught myself in is cause I would, at the beginning of the, as, as early as quarter midgets, I'd write a number down. I want to win X amount of races. And then I would then automatically set an expectation on myself instead of just going the entire year race by race, circling certain tracks. Okay. I was good here last year. I know I love this track. I know I can perform well here. Um, certain races like that you can circle and prepare extra hard for. But for me now that I have narrowed my field of view and I'm just focusing on one thing, well, if, if you focus really hard on racing every single race perfectly, as close as to perfection as possible at least, um, you'll win races. You'll win as many races as, as you possibly could. And maybe even possibly a championship, but it's finding the things to get you there first before you can do all that kind of stuff is what matters. Yeah. I mean, focusing on the process to me makes a lot of sense. Uh, throwing a number out there with no idea how to get to it. Um, it, it sounds like you're focusing on the right stuff. 
pretty mature mentality for a, what I would consider a youngster. No disrespect. Um, no, it's okay. But having said that, let's assume you race the best you can and, and you're going for a cup ride here in the next few years. Are you going to be manufacturer loyal? Are you demanding a bow tie? Or if Joe Gibbs calls, are you going to pick up the phone? Honestly, if, if anyone's offering, I'm going. <laughs> Yeah. I, I love Chevrolet. I, I, you know, I, my family's driven Chevrolets, you know, my entire life I've always driven a Chevrolet. Um, but you know, I think, I think in this day and age, um, you, you would be crazy to pass up any opportunity. Now, if I got a cup offer with a Chevrolet team, um, I, I would be biased, um, to lean more towards Chevrolet just because I, the past two years I've been with, with or past year, I've been with Chevrolet. Um, I love their organization. I love the way they operate their structure. Um, it really truly, truly feels like family over there. And um, they, they work super hard towards my program as well as all my teammates' programs. And when you really truly hear and see what uh, Chevrolet does for the teams and, and the sport, um, it really tr- truly makes you appreciate um, what they do. And going forward and all the other series, you hear about all the other things they do above you. Um, it's, it's mind boggling um, with the, the amount of funding they put into the sport um, in general, um, what they do for me right now. Um, I would be, you know, I'd be pretty, pretty crazy not to be thankful for what they've done for me so far. So were you uh, excited to get out of Daytona and head to a mile and a half oh my Vegas gosh. coming up? Uh, I don't even want to talk about Daytona. We're not talking about it. We're on to Vegas. We're on to <laughs> Vegas. So, so how's the mile and a half season looking for you? How how you feeling about that? You know, I feel really good um, about our you know mile and a half stuff right now. Uh, you know, we were. I know I struggled last year. Um, just you know, had a hard time ever really getting comfortable with the truck and the speed. But it kind of seems like the general consensus with GMS drivers is the second year is always way better. So I'm, I'm really happy with my team um, and my new crew chief, Charles Nike. Um, he's awesome. Um, I was pretty good at, at Vegas last year, spring Vegas. I remember running the top five and ended up getting a penalty on pit road. I ended up going a lap down, but had a really fast truck. So I don't re- remember too much off the top of my head from uh, the previous race from the spring. But uh, I always love going back to Vegas. Um, Vegas is always one of my favorite racetracks. Um, Vegas in the spring versus the fall are two completely tr- different tracks. And I think it's mostly temperature based. It's always, always colder there in the spring than it is the fall. Um, so typically, um, spring to fall in the spring, you know, Vegas is a very narrow racetrack. The, the second, the third lane really doesn't ever come in. Um, and then the fall, it seems to be the exact opposite, but my first year I was there is it, it was the exact opposite last year. So, um, I have no expectations going to going to Vegas this weekend. I'm just going to focus on the right things and the things I can control. So, so you got a nice week off. You didn't have to go to Miami. Do you have any uh, big plans, any fun things going on uh, in your neck of the woods? I don't, you know, honestly, I, I, I wanted to spend the weekend chill out, but I, I'll go crazy. I just spending, you know, almost two months you know, as an off season, uh, you start feeling cooped up and then you start the first two weeks off of the race season. But then you have a, you know, a week off. It's like, man, like I want to go. I don't want any weeks off. I want, I want to race for the next 70 weeks. So I, uh, 
I don't know what I'm really going to do. I'm, I've been clearing about uh, five acres of woods right now. And I have a burn pile. It's probably about 20 feet high and about 40, 50 feet wide right now. So I don't know if I want to burn that or not. I might burn down half of Mooresville if I do that, but um, I don't know what I want to do, honestly. Well, it sounds like you got some options there on the farm. Um, all right, Tyler, well, let's get a little less serious here. Have some fun. Um, and so what are the what are the perceptions that you've experienced with people pegging you as the blonde kid from SoCal? I mean, even though we know that's not who you are, but just at the surface level, if someone says, oh, he's from Southern California, he's got blonde hair. You ever give him like a, yeah, dude, I'm, you know, totally <laughs> surfing down there. What? <laughs> everyone's seen the youtube video of the guys like oh getting pitted yeah. uh everyone's seen that youtube video and that's usually what they expect and oh i i've, I've heard it a, a hundred times or it's like oh man like you you, know, you grow up going to the beach quite often it's like yeah i mean we went to the beach sometimes but to be honest like i can't stand sand in my car so no i don't <laughs> like the beach i'd much rather go to the mountains um you know i didn't grow up you know, surfing a whole lot. So I grew up riding horses and going to rodeos with my dad and my grandpa, the San Marino Sheriff's Rodeo. And uh, my grandpa had a roping arena with uh, a chute. So it was kind of a normal thing to go to my grandpa's ranch, the Ricarosa and rope steers and uh, watch all of the elderly people around me um, party and have a great time. And, you know, I would just basically hang out and follow my dad's lead or whatever he was doing or I'd entertain myself. So, you know, for me, it was always, you know, I always grew up country. I, you know, I grew up in uh, Ucaipa, San Bernardino area. Um, you know, Grandpa's Ranch was in Live Oak Canyon. So it was always uh, very much a Western feel, always wanted to be cowboy. Cool, man. Well, y- you mentioned rodeo. So I was out in Vegas actually a couple of years ago by accident during the national finals rodeo time. And you go to like the rodeo Christmas. Have you ever been out there for that? Oh yeah, Cowboy Christmas. It's, Cowboy it's Christmas, based, yeah, yeah. Oh, Cowboy Christmas is, <laughs> in my opinion, it's it's everything PRI should be. It, it's it's incredible. Like if, I I went in there and I was like I I've never roped a steer, but I'm gonna walk around like this entire building. I'm gonna come out with like a a belt buckle and a a saddle oh, yeah. and some rope. <laughs> we 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 call those uh, boot barn cowboys. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, hey, man, I'll take it. Anything with a cowboy <laughs> in it. <laughs> Uh, I think it's disrespectful, Garrett. I, I wouldn't <laughs> take it as a compliment. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. Tyler, I got to ask you because of the blonde hair. Uh, has anyone ever called you Sunshine, like the quarterback in Remember the Titans? I've been called many things. Uh, not never Sunshine. Um, for a little while, I got called Hollywood. Okay. Um, for some reason, I don't. I, I think it's just because I'm good looking. I got great hair. Yeah, but I, sorry if my head gets extremely large here, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I kind of just recently, uh, uh, kind of er- everyone starts, has, has started calling me cowboy, um, in the race shop. Uh, my teammates tend to just greet when I walk through the door, it's like, Oh, Hey, cowboy. And it's like, Oh, Hey man. So I, I don't know where that, well, obviously I think I know where that picked up, but, um, how that manifested, <laughs> um, is different. I, I got a, I got a few different nicknames, um, but none too appropriate to say. But um, but that's that's probably the number one. That's get, that's getting more thrown around the garage more and more. All right, cowboy, I like it. Uh, all right, Tyler. Well, we we love talking about paint schemes here on our podcast. So I got to ask you. You've got some solid solid schemes uh, with Lyuna, 
And this year, it looks like you're running the neon numbers on top. Any cool surprises in the work for the rest of the year? Maybe a hint at the Darlington throwback scheme? Uh, I don't know, really, honestly. You know, for, for me, uh, last year, uh, the yellow banana, I, 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 when I signed the contract with GMS, I told Mike Beam, I said, I do not care what happens this year. I said, all I want is the yellow banana when we go to Darlington. <laughs> and he was like, perfect. Sounds awesome. So I don't know what we're going to do this year for schemes. Um, you know, people, a, lo- a lot of times, um, assume that I, you know, pick the number 26 for, uh, you know, junior Johnson, but I actually picked the number 26 for Ricky Bobby. So there you go. I'm, uh, I'm very desperately wanting to do a wonder bread car at Darlington. Um, I don't, I don't know copyright stuff and all that. I don't know if they'll allow, allow me to do it, but, uh, very desperately wanting to do a wonder bread, uh, one, like a wonder bread lioness themed. Uh, pickup truck <laughs> that'd be solid can you get the fig newton's logo on the windshield or is that over oh again? my gosh it has just about i was just thinking that <laughs> and if we could just instead of doing fig newtons just lyuna on the windshield oh. i'll i'll rep it for the race <laughs> Dan- dangerous but man i do love Leona. <laughs> um, no I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned talladega nights because earlier um you were talking about you wake up in the morning and you mentioned your hair and I thought for sure you were going with a Ricky Bobby reference there. Oh, so, no. Um, uh-uh. I can't. No, I can't bring <laughs> myself to ever say it. <laughs> I mean, I think I think you should try it now. We'll clip it for you. <laughs> oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm 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 leaving this podcast with my stock intact. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, if you want to grow social media followers, there's two ways <laughs> to do it. You'd be really popular. Yeah, you get in trouble. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Um, all right. Well, last paint scheme question. Do you have a favorite all time paint scheme that was not in a movie like Talladega Nights? Oh, that's tough. Um, oh, I've, I've, I, there are so many paint schemes out there that I've loved. Um, I love really simple paint schemes. Uh, for, for me, uh, simpler, the better. I think having a car that's very clean looking, um, and it only has you know, one or two stripes. Um, I love, you know, almost, almost the entirety of my late model and super late model career. I ran all the only thing I had, I ran a black car with white side skirts, mm. white balance and white rally stripes. And those, those were always, and always will be my favorite cars. And, uh, I love Roddy Burns, Exxon, uh, Exxon mobile 51 and days of thunder, just the simple white, the simple 51 with the red stripe going down the door in the quarter panels. Uh, for me, I, I, I love that. Um, I loved my, uh, Canaan car at DGR, uh, you know, the white, the white bottom separated by a white line and the hood and the greenhouse and deck lid were, were black. Um, I, I love just simple cars like that. Very few lines. And, um, I feel like cars like that, you know, stand out quite a bit on the racetrack because we started doing crazy stuff and all, you know, just diabolical colors and schemes you know it's, it's just for me in my opinion it's it's harder to see on the racetrack so i love simple schemes like i, I love dylan hurt's scheme for me like richard petty's schemes always been one of my favorites i i love that um trying to think of a few other ones was uh, uh sheldon creed's last week too simple or was that too crazy for you n- no that's that's literally perfect if yeah if i could do that if if we the entire series could have vehicles that were all white or all black and we had our sponsors on the hood, that would be perfect. 
Yeah. So we, we were looking back at last year, you, uh, you had a great 12 questions interview with uh, Jeff Gluck and you left an awesome question. So I got to throw it back to you. Who's a driver on the racetrack you dislike racing the most? And is it oh, Brett Moffitt? Uh, why is it Brett Moffitt? <laughs> yeah. I can answer well, it for you. Well, so like, you know, last week, uh, I'm, I might've called Brett Moffitt a donkey on the radio, but, um, you know, after going back and watching the film, cause you know, Brett's never in, in my recollection of us racing for two years together. Um, I don't think he's ever intentionally wrecked me. So, you know, when we went down to the turn one there on one of those final restarts, you know, I battled back from the lap down. I was already frustrated as, as it was, cause I was just constantly playing catch the entire race. And, um, Chandler Smith in the 18, I think he ran out of gas. Um, we all got bottled up in there and we are, we're all checked up. We're going to get through there pretty all right. And then, you know, I get spun out with, by him and he didn't even have a front sway bar tube in the thing or something like that. So, you know, for me, it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, but you know, if, if it was intentional, I don't understand why, but I don't think, I don't think it was. So, you know, I haven't talked to him or anything, but you know, I'm, I'm willing to let it slide. Um, but you know, those are just one of those situations where, you know what, sometimes it's just better to take the high road. We've actually got him in the waiting room, uh, ready to squash the beef right now. No, uh, I'm completely kidding. And that's actually enough negative energy. It's well known on the gas and go podcast that I love love. So I'd like to ask you, who do you have love for on the racetrack? Who do you enjoy racing with? Matt Crafton, man. He's like, he is like the gold standard. Well, I take that back. I, he's not the gold standard. Like he'll tell you, "Hey, man, don't get on my lap on door in lap. Don't get on my door in lap two. And then he'll turn around and get on your door in lap two. But he is always a very clean racer. Um, if he picks a fight with you, it's because you picked a fight with him first. Um, very respectful man. Um, he's always been very kind to me. Um, any any conversation with him is always insightful, and I always appreciate talking to him. Uh, whenever I have the opportunity and he's an awesome pusher um, on super speedways. I always love having Matt Crafton behind me because he, uh, he just has, you know, just this understanding where it's, you know, you know, you know, further together, faster by myself, but you know, further together is, you know, way better. And uh, we ran up front for a little while at Daytona and um, it was awesome having him behind me. He's a, very, very solid driver, and he's been in the sport for a long time, and he has a he has a wealth of knowledge. Well, all right, Tyler, you said you uh, really like the tough questions, so here's when the really tough questions start. We're going to do a few rapid fires. Are you ready? Sure. Okay, fishing or hunting? Mm. Hunting. Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram? Instagram. Smelliest animal on the ranch. Cows for sure. I don't have, I, I, I don't, the only thing I have is right now at the moment is cows, donkeys and cows beat out donkeys. Good to know. East coast or West coast. East coast. Where do you keep your butter and eggs in the kitchen, in the fridge or on the counter? Fridge. Who okay. likes warm butter? When you have to spread it on toast, you don't want to rip the toast in half. Yeah, but how do you know it's nothing's growing on that butter? Come on, you got like fresh cream and milk. I would assume you got fresh butter. You don't want to uh, you know, dilute the flavor putting it in the fridge. Ugh. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know if we're friends. 
Uh, okay. Uh, milking a cow or baling hay? Baling hay for sure. Okay. What style of milk do you prefer? 2% fat-free, whole, pasteurized, unpasteurized? 2%. Okay. <laughs> what's the best or your what's the best or your most favorite name for a cow uh mama and who gets to name them on your ranch my mom have you ever raced in cowboy boots tried how'd that go not very well <laughs> honestly <laughs> no if if i loved i'm gonna i'm not i'm not sponsored by tony llama but i'm gonna sponsor tony llama right here for a second and i love their boots i they're the most comfortable thing on this planet and if i could have the leather bottom sole and the thin leather bottom sole and just not the giant heel not the giant heel because then you can't your boots too tall you can't even get your foot on the pedal i would race in boots for the rest of my life well that's good to know and that leads right into my next question which i think i know the answer what's harder running a mile in cowboy boots or riding a horse bareback Running a mile in cowboy boots, but oh. you know what? You'd be sh- you'd be shocked. You'd be shocked how fast I can move in boots. <laughs> Faster in sneakers or in boots? Boots. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Hardest part about living on a ranch? Uh, hardest part? Probably pr- probably the long summer days. That's probably the hardest part about living on a ranch, especially here. In North Carolina, you know, when it's 90, when you wake up at six o'clock in the morning and it's 90 till, you know, 11 at night. And you have some of those days midsummer where you're working all day, just digging holes, trenching, laying pipe and electrical and fixing fences and weed whacking. Uh, it can make for extremely long days and a very, very nice tan line. Uh, so that's probably the toughest part, midsummer days on the ranch. I bet the boots smell real nice after a day like that. Oh, absolutely. That's why that's why I got open toe boots as well. Ah, uh, gotcha. What's yeah. the best part about living on a ranch? Best part? Privacy, land. Um, having a place to go to stretch your feet. Um, when I first moved out here to North Carolina to pursue my dream in racing, uh, I lived in an apartment for um three years with my mother and you begin to realize how much people don't like each other especially as me and my mom don't sometimes when you live you know 50 feet away from them and you have nowhere to escape so when we you know finally bought our ranch here in mooresville you know we've we had room to you know fight make up and you know go to the other end of the property for a little while and shout at the trees um, it, it makes for, <laughs> it makes for a, a, a very fun time, especially because there's just some things you can't do on a farm that you can do in the city. And, um, you know, for me, you know, just growing up, you know, pretty much in and around ranches my entire life. Um, it always calls back to you. Tyler, I got to cut in here real quick and rewind here. You said open toed boots. Is that the <laughs> cowboy way of saying sandals? <laughs> Shower shoes. You mean? Exactly. All right. So I recently, um, I was doing some work here on the farm and I was chopping a tree and I had the chainsaw and chainsaw just happened to caught the top of my boot, which was fine. Uh, just created some more 
air flow. <laughs> feet were a little sweaty. I was like, you know what? We're just gonna, you know, cut the top up. We're gonna peel it, peel the top back, and we're just gonna see how this goes. And you know, my feet got a little wet, but they they weren't so sweaty. And so now I just got a pair of open-toed cowboy boots at my house. Wow, my palms are sweaty just listening to that story. That's <laughs> nah, okay. Okay, have you ever watched the show Yellowstone? Yes, I have. Is it an accurate portrayal as life as a rancher? In a fantasy, maybe. <laughs> maybe in an alternate reality. I mean, okay. trust me, trust me I, I look at you know Yellowstone, which I, you know, actually, I started watching Yellowstone. And I love it because John Dunton is everything I want to be. Uh, just the total, just mammoth of a man. You know, there's the whole theory. You know, there's there's good men and there's just men being good at being a man. Well, that's John Dunton in that TV series. Is John Dunton's just really good at being a man? And even though he might not necessarily be a good man, but that entire TV show. If even if you aren't country, it makes you want to be country, and that's why I started noticing is I had had some friends start watching the TV show, and next thing I know, they're coming over in Wrangler jeans and boots, and I'm like, <laughs> "What are you doing? You live in a two thousand square house on the lake, you're coming over my ranch. What are you doing? What qu- quit fooling yourself, man?" But uh, I uh, I love that TV show. There there's actually a lot of accurate things about it, how they work cattle. Um, which is very accurate. Um, them riding horses. Um, not a lot of people know about that TV show, but none of none of them, none, none of those actors um, have uh, stuntmen. You know, ride their horses, and, and that's all very legit. And you can see how much they've learned, how much work they've put in that TV series, and that's probably the biggest reason why I appreciate that TV show so much because there's a lot of truth when it comes to you know property and the cattle business and uh, just farming in general or any sort of um, agricultural business. There's a lot of truths that they allude to in that TV series, which, you know, they have a lot of theatrics in it, but it's a very fun TV show to watch. Well, that's awesome to hear. And we definitely have uh, four fans of that show right here on this, on this call as well. But uh, Okay. Would you take a cup ride? This one's just coming into me from our guy, Ryan here. Would you take a cup ride, but you had to move back into you, an apartment with your mom? Deal starts tomorrow. How long is the contract? <laughs> That's all we needed to hear. Okay. <laughs> and then the last but not least... Would you rather be a centaur or a minotaur? This is Greek mythology stuff, right? Yeah, the centaur is half man, half horse, and the minotaur is half man, half bull. That's that's the John C. Riley and Step Brothers, right? That one yeah. scene. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I'll, I'm going to pick that one. All right, perfect answer. That's a pretty good answer there. Uh, all right, Tyler, <laughs> I know you're a country music fan. Yep. But I'm going to give you... I'm going to give you a, a choice of three artists here. Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, Dwight Yoakam. Who's your, who's your top? Oh, they're all so good. Um, probably Merle. Solid I, choice. I, I like I like Dwight Yoakam. Um, he, he's probably my number two. Um, but um, D- Dwight was, was uh, more of a late, came in the late 80s, early 90s, and had that 
like honky tonks, honky tonk sound to it. Um, but I, I prefer more, more of the slower, sad songs. Merle so graciously sings. Yep. Yep. And for our listeners, what do those three have in common? You should know this. Oh man. Um, they're, they're Bakersfield guys. They're California That's guys. That's right. They're Bakersfield guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I knew that too. You've been in North Carolina too long, man. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that too because Bakersfield was like the Nashville of the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. Buck went out there. Yeah. Buck went and out Merle, there. Yep. Merle was in jail uh, and, and got out and went there. And then Dwight Yoke yep. actually from Kentucky, uh, but went out there. He says he said he was like raised in California. That's where he got a sound. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. All right. Tyler, this has been a ton of fun. Uh, really enjoyed getting your insights on things. You're like I said at the beginning. You're, I thought you were a thoughtful guy, and and you are. You're very insightful. We appreciate that. Uh, how would a win in Vegas set up for your birthday the following day? Well, considering you know, twenty one means twenty one, uh, and I, I'll be flying back home to North Carolina, so I probably could convince my girlfriend to rub my feet and rub my back and. <laughs> I have a very nice dinner, steak. Go probably go to a steakhouse and be in bed by eight o'clock. So that, that'll set up my twentieth birthday party perfectly. There you go. That sounds like a nice mature birthday there. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> just waiting, waiting for the one more year for the big one. <laughs> one more year, just one more year. I'm right, waiting. Uh, well, Tyler, again, this has been a blast. I uh, can't thank you enough for your time. Um, we'll definitely be cheering for you out there, and uh, can't wait to see you back in Victory Lane, man. Thank you. I appreciate this, guys. A lot it means a lot. All right. I, I just love that dude, man. That that interview was fun. Uh, Tyler's just a great, great guy uh, and definitely an OKG. And I don't know if he was offended that I called him 19. That's just how old he is. But man, did he come up with some thoughtful answers for a 19 year old? Like if I was that thoughtful, well-spoken, et cetera, at 19, not to mention good at driving a race car. I'd be in a different place right now. Yeah. Maybe not on this podcast. <laughs> Almost said it, but hey, better you than me. <laughs> uh, all right, Dave. Well, before we get into stage three, give us the latest offer from Racing USA. Thanks, Garrett. And thanks again to RacingUSA.com for bringing you this week's Gas and Go podcast. RacingUSA.com, home to automatic discounts on NASCAR merchandise and free upgrades to expedited shipping. Fans, we could spend this entire podcast telling you why, should you, why you should buy all of your NASCAR diecast apparels hats and collectibles for masonusa.com but we thought you might want to hear it from one of their customers unsolicited lou from north carolina recently wrote i just want to tell the owners and employees of racing usa what a great company you have my orders are shipped extremely fast your customer service is great i will shop racingusa.com before any other place my kyle larson and chase elliott merchandise so listen to lou Shop RacingUSA.com whenever you want a die-cast car, t-shirt, hat, or collectible to show your support for your favorite driver. Don't forget to tell them Lou sent you. Don't forget to tell them Gas and Go sent you. Garrett, back to you. All right, Dave, thank you for that rundown there on Racing USA. Let's get into stage three. Dale, play us in.
All right. Paint scheme time. Bumper sticker rewards. Here we go, boys. Ryan, lead us off this week. Perfect. Getting another great looking primary car out of the way. I'm going with the number 48 Ally Chevy Camaro. Another bank one. Sorry, Garrett. The paint scheme paint scheme upgrades that Hendrick made over the offseason were historic. Great choice going with the black base. And what makes this car pop is a little bit of blue to contrast the purple. I've said this before, but it looks so good on track. Bowman had an okay run, but you can always pick this car out of the crowd. And I've said it before, but that yellow 48 on the front bumper to honor Jimmy Johnson is a perfect, subtle touch. All right. Ryan going with the 48 Bowman car. Back-to-back Hendrick cars for Ryan. Uh, I think that one was designed by the legend Blackbeard. So uh, nice he job. He killed there. it. He killed yeah. it. He did, he did do a good job. All right, Dill, let's go over to you. Which scheme you got this week? All right. Well, this week, you know, it, it kind of made its choice for me. I mean, they put a hot dog on a car. Like, what are we doing oh, here? The hot dog is on the car. This was absolutely fantastic. Seeing Ryan Newman in the sixth car. Oscar Meyer was the sponsor. Like, it just says the word hot dogs on the side of the car. It's, it's fantastic. It, it, the only way it could have get better, but I understand why they had to, the Oscar Mayer logo. Give me a giant hot dog on the hood of that car. Oh, that would have been fantastic. But 10 out of 10. Every time this car gets my bumper sticker award. One of the top five days of my life was when I saw the Wienermobile like, at the <laughs> grocery store by my house. It was so exciting. It was just as exciting seeing this car. The Wienermobile rode uh, into a seventh place finish there. So the Rocket Man was fueled up on some hot dogs. He was running. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right, Dan, Dylan, do you th- think that hot dog was just brought in late? Do you think that was a late addition? No, I, I think that they started with the hot dogs and designed everything else around it. The hot dog is the most important part. The, I, everyone knows Oscar Mayer, but hot dogs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. I did respect that they went mustard on the hot dog. No ketchup on a hot dog, which is also not a sandwich, which is a topic we'll save for another podcast or for the outro if you want to tune in. So Dill took the most delicious car on the racetrack. And if there's anything I love more than love, it's delicious looking race cars. I will take the second most delicious race car, Ryan Priest's 37 Slim Jim Chevrolet. Oh, yeah. At At first, I'm like, you know, that's just a Slim Jim logo. And then I look at the side and right there, a three pack of Slim Jims delicious sign me up for all three of those put the daves.com right on top of the slim gyms i'm claiming them as my own dave when you buy slim gyms are you buying the little snack size or the full length like uh you know rope sized slim gym i assume that question is for the listeners uh (laughs) because you know that i'm offended at the suggestion that i would buy a slim gym any longer than my entire arm (laughs) Yeah, you gotta go the full full arm length slim gym when you're going slim gym. And worth noting, I like how I this car had nothing else on the side panels or the back panel really, other than that three pack of slim gyms. It was just the yellow like primary base for the rest hard, of it. It was too hard to find the slim gyms. It should they should have been everywhere on the car. It should have been like the the hood, the side panel, the top. That was my only. Connor, it's is this is. This is my bumper sticker, right? <laughs> slim Jims aren't to share. Yeah, those Slim Jims are a little slim on the side now that I re-look at it. <laughs> Look, Dill ate the hot dog. I had, to, I had to go with plan B. <laughs> All right. Uh, Connor, what you got? 
Yeah, I only had the hot dog car this this week. <laughs> no, I guess my plan B or my number two, which Ryan alluded to in the news, was the Camping World car. Very nice blend of blue and gold or blue and yellow. Uh, looks quite a bit like the Los Angeles Rams uniforms, which I'm a big fan of. Um, big Camping World right on the front hood. No picture, no nothing, just camping world. It was clean. It was uh, pretty. It was all around a great looking car. Yeah, Speaking I agree. Speaking of Rams, too, that 99 that they had on the top, that gold kind of looks like the St. Louis Rams, like old gold. Yeah. Rams yeah. tribute on top of it. Hmm. Interesting. Good, good, uh, good tidbit there, Dale. All right, I'm clean us up here. Uh, if you know me, you know I love classic NASCAR sponsors. So we're going with the 47 and Ricky Stenhouse, who had Kroger, which is not necessarily classic, but that Tide baby on the quarter panel in the back was just looking popping like a Tide sponsor does. It's the new Tide Power Pods uh, right there above the wheel well. So yeah, that that orange and yellow with the blue Tide. Uh, just, I just love it. Gets me every time. So I'm going with that this week. Uh, who's got, who's got runner ups, Dave? I just want to say it was a great looking car. I think I was just a little disappointed that Sisson's tide car that he announced didn't get to be, get to be the first tide car on, on the track this year, but great choice. Yep. Yeah. It was a clean looking tide car right there and very nice blend of the blue and the orange. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That, and I think Dill alluded to this last week with the 37 of Ryan priest that, I guess all these JTG cars are doing now is this sort of like swoop blend uh, where, where they split the colors there nicely. I think last week was Kroger and Coca-Cola, if I'm yeah. correctly. Two Krogers. But yeah, no, uh, it's, it's cool they did that. Are, are I have two, two honorable mention cars as well. One, I'm surprised no one gave a food award to, the number eight cheddars with the biscuit or the little croissants lining the, the side door. Uh, and then the other one, Denny Hamlin's out here kind of like low-key working big hard this year. Every week, it's a new, incredible paint scheme. This guy's on fire, like paint scheme-wise right now. I'm loving it. You know, I hated myself when I was looking at the 11s thinking, that could get a bumper sticker award from me if it comes down to it. I, I agree with yeah. you on that one, Dill. <laughs> yeah, FedEx is, they're they're stepping up their game this season. They, they just had two really nice-looking cars. Uh, and I'll give... Are, are you guys Kroger or Kroger's? <laughs> Kroger. I'm going Kroger. to one singular Kroger. <laughs> there is no S. There's really only one right answer. Correct. <laughs> uh, and I'll give an honorable mention to the Half uh, Chocolate Whiskey Eight Ball uh, Chevrolet. That thing looked good too. Just a like a clean scheme. The the Eight Ball logo looks like an Eight Ball, like it should. Um, some cool, colorful lines on the side. I dug it. I like the, the the best part about the Cheddar's sponsorship with Tyler Reddick was if he had won, we would have gotten free chicken tenders. And he was really upset that he didn't get everyone free chicken tenders. I thought that was hilarious and awesome. And at the people right there. If you follow Ty- Tyler Reddick on social media, he eats at Cheddar's like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great spokesperson for Cheddar's. Um, all right. Well, I, anybody else got any others? I think that's a pretty good rundown. Did anyone not notice that the 21 and the 12 just completely switched ski like colors? <laughs> was that like planned? 
I mean, yeah, I'm, that was wild to see it. it the neon they, trying to trick the numbers just reversed too. <laughs> They're keeping everyone on their toes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, looks like uh, Maddie D has the Menards Isle Four car, and <laughs> Ryan Blaney had Dex Imaging. I go. I always go to Dex for all my imaging. So <laughs> good to see the boys out there. Do we have any uh, social media shoutouts? Oh, uh, yeah, we do. Thanks for the reminder there, Ryan. Uh, I got a bunch this week, so thanks, everybody. I really try I really try to prime people to, to <laughs> send some stuff in, so let's let's oh, hear them. Well, you Cue do the music, cons. We've got uh, Eagle Eye M16 said he also likes the cheddar car. Made him hungry for some croissants. I hear you there, Eagle Eye. Our boy Big Luke. Are croissants before? coming to the table before? What's going on with the croissants there? Yeah, the croissants, you get croissants at cheddar's. I've never been to Cheddar, so... Well, you know, buckle up. Right, we're going to have to take a family trip. <laughs> I've never been to a Cheddar's either. Yeah. Cheddar's no one's been place. to Cheddar's. Tyler Reddick's first win. We're taking a trip to Cheddar's and getting some free chicken nuggets. <laughs> okay. Anyway, Big Luke 24 mixing it up this week, going to Chris Boucher's 17 Fastenal car. Uh, at Slim Sammy 24 also like the Camping World car. <laughs> Our boy John at Fan, Fan Hendrix 24 shocker like the 24 car, but gotta give him credit there. It was he sent a picture of it in Victory Lane? So nice job there. Uh, let's see, we've got John Woost, John underscore Woo. He liked the Quinn Hauf, uh chocolate whiskey car as well. Icy Taxi, he, Icy Taxi liked the 78 lift fast car. Uh, BJ McLeod was driving. That was that was a good one. I, I didn't think of that one. So nice nice shot out there, Icy Taxi. Uh, at M240 underscore golf liked the Quinn Half chocolate whiskey. Uh, at Jane Waltrup liked the William Byron paint scheme as well. She said the black background makes the colors pop. I agree. Jane, also great uh, on Twitter. She's always responded to our stuff. So thank you, Jane. And that's it for this week. So thanks, everybody, for chiming in with your favorite paint schemes of the week. We'll do it. And, uh, and Tyler, Ink- Tyler Ankrum just texted me and he said he loved the number 15 car. Nice and simple, not not too uh, extravagant. He talk about it. clean. <laughs> yes, that, that was clean, very very clean. Um, all right, Dill, what uh, did you see on social media that caught your eye this week? Well, this week, you know, nothing that actually pertained to the race itself, but what was a pretty fun thing to kind of follow along with, and something I always love bringing in here. Uh, it was the nine-year anniversary of the Juan Pablo Montoya at Daytona 500 when he slid into the the um, jet fuel or the jet dryer while he was passing along on the turn on the inside, and the jet dryers are up on top cleaning some debris, and he just completely loses control of his car, crashes right into it, blows his car up immediately, and the track just catches on fire. It's like a two and a half hour delay or something. But the best part about it, because everyone was sharing a ton of old like videos and pictures and just kind of reminiscing over the whole thing there's a lot of good delay footage from all the drivers hanging out and like getting into a bus together but why i bring this in because anytime i can get this in here second time this episode also there was a brad keselowski athletic moment during the delay when him and dale earnhardt jr were foot racing to the porto potty along the side of the track and it was fantastic like i had completely forgotten about this moment until i saw someone tweet it out but it's just the two of them racing and junior beats him by probably a good five steps until kezo like 
sprints really fast at the end up and they're racing to a porto potty too which is hilarious but they get to the porto potty and junior just pushes kezo out the way and gets right into porto potty before him it was fantastic i had a lot of good laughs about that over the weekend so that was my favorite social media thing i saw this week nice nice that's that sounds funny i gotta go look yeah that juan pablo montoya moment was epic uh and running is also epic anytime (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna have to start barring uh penske drivers from showing up in the social media you know corner (laughs) here i gotta protect my guys (laughs) they make it too easy they do i know i know uh all right let's get into predictions before that we close this thing up for the week ryan who you got winning in las vegas Speaking of Penske, I'm going with Joey Logano. All right. Dill. I hate this, but I'm going to go Kevin Harvick. Dave. Say it. (laughs) Make it two for Joey Logano. Whoa. Whoa. Kyle Bush Bush at all this show. I am less happy to pick Joey Logano than I am to agree with Ryan on our predictions. (laughs) For sure, he was going with the 48, you know, the. I got that one covered off with the paint scheme, but yeah. We'll see. Connor. This guy has won here before. Martin Truex Jr. Ooh, Martin Truex Jr. All right. Uh, I'm I had Kevin Harvick. I guess I'll stick with him just because I can't think of anybody <laughs> else right now, but Kevin Harvick for me. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all we got for you guys this week. Thanks for tuning in. As always, we'll be back next week, maybe with a guest, maybe not. We'll see, but we'll we'll be sure to let you know. So be on the lookout on Twitter or wherever. Uh, but tune in no matter what. It's a good time regardless. Uh, in the meantime, keep listening. Check in on the Twitter giveaway. We're going to do triple entry again this week. So if you comment with what color you'd like to see a NASCAR wall painted like the coral down at Homestead, uh, we'll notice and we'll give you three entries. Let's have some fun. Think of something wild for us. Um, also, if you're not on Twitter, but you want to get in on, on the giveaway, email us gasandgopodcast at gmail.com. And we'll throw your name in the hat. All right, everybody. And just one final reminder, the Gas and Go podcast is brought to you by our friends at RacingUSA.com, home to automatic discounts on NASCAR merchandise and free upgrades to expedited shipping. All right. Holler at that five-star review on Apple if you can. Thanks to at Wilson27 for the one left this week. That one meant a lot. Keep them coming, folks. You already know, but keep grinding. We'll keep grinding right alongside you. And we'll see you next week. And now to continue this exciting evening, Miami Sound Machine. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Come on, shake your body, baby, do that conga. No, you can't control yourself any longer. Dave, what color are you painting Kansas wall? Ooh, I think like a yellow. Interesting. I would go like a a brighter Carolina blue, just like go a little bit of shade, you know, the, the brightest skies. Uh, I do like yellow, yellow brick road. Or yeah, yellow or like corn. Yeah. Or corn. Or red and blue, old Jayhawk. Mm. What about purple and white for uh, Kansas State? Yeah, yeah. yellow is good. I'm going blue. Yeah. But when you guys paint it, you can do whatever color you want. <laughs> I was trying to think of other like uh, other tracks that would have very geographically. I mean, I think, you know, Texas would be cool to do like a Texas flag all the way around. Delaware would be cool to do like a, a little beach like motif or something. I know it's Dover. It's not really on the beach, but still. Ve- Vegas is like sparkles and lights and stuff. <laughs> yeah, Vegas is going to be gold. Yeah, yeah. yeah gold. 
Gold for Vegas. I speak from experience in telling you that gold paint is not inexpensive. Ooh, I bet. I bet. Well, neither is Vegas. <laughs> yeah, neither. Touche. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe we'll see y'all out in Vegas on the gold wall, but regardless, we'll see you next week right back here at the Gas and Go podcast. Yeah.